that is in love with learning about love and commitment culture. That's right. I'm Meg Joe. I'm Molly Kiernan. And we're here. Here we are, post-election day. <laughs> Woo! And we love it. Back in, <laughs> sitting in my closet. <laughs> yeah, but it feels new, right? It feels like a yeah, new closet. Yeah, it feels fresh. Hey, I mean... Yeah. That was truly the only thing on our housekeeping this I know. week. It we're was recording, week. We're recording later today, and I feel like we're both in, like, a goofy mood yeah. or something. I don't know what's up, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, but should we get right into Cute Alert, Meg? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here's my Cute Alert. I guess I love stories about Matthew McConaughey. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> this is my second I in a row. I feel like I will always be like, this is where we tell you about what's in the news, and you will always put a celebrity story <laughs> And I love it. That's us. Yeah, I hope he's not like a bad person, Mm. but I'm not. I'm not sure. But this is a (laughs) who knows. We are. (laughs) We're in on one today. We are on one. This is a nice moment I'm talking about. Okay, so great, great. So I already told you guys about how Matthew's father died during sex with his mother, which Uh, is in a way uh, beautiful. But now here's a, a, a lovely act of kindness that Matthew did for his colleague. Jennifer Garner recently revealed in a PBS interview with Kelly Corrigan some inside info about behind-the-scenes moments on the set of the 2013 film Dallas Buyers Club, which they were both in. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, she had three kids at home, and she had taken a bunch of time off to raise them, so this was her first big uh, role coming back. Okay. Um, and it was this really grueling schedule, I guess, and she almost never had time to um, pump. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like she wasn't in an environment where she felt comfortable to take breaks for that or ask for that. So she was ready to quit the movie God. and acting in general. But then Matthew saw that she was upset and had a conversation with her about it. And he was like, no, you can do this. And and he asked the crew for a break so she could go pump after that first conversation. And then any time after that when she needed a break, she would, I guess, give him a secret hand signal and he would take care of getting her a break. So I thought that was a cute alert for friendship. Yeah, I agree, but also, what the fuck that a man had to do that for her, for it to feel, like, okay for her and safe for her? Right, I guess this is a story of me being like, yay, this man. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, like, obviously, you know, her intuition was probably correct. She felt like, like, things would get fucked up, and she would be seen differently, and, like, they couldn't, she was holding stuff up, but why did it take him seeing her, happening to catch her emotional one day to, like, figure it out, and then ask people for breaks like yeah she's a star right and he could just comfortably do it yeah everything's um bad (laughs) yeah everything's bad but that Um, i mean i'm not saying like he shouldn't have done this no i hear no i think that's an appropriate response to the story cute alert on his behalf uncute alert on society's behalf (laughs) (laughs) okay well let me hear yours meg okay Mine is from Yahoo UK by Lauren Clark, and the article is titled, One in Five Married Couples Say Their Relationship Has Been Strengthened in Lockdown. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so England's going through a second lockdown right now, like many countries are, if not a third or fourth lockdown. And that, of course, sucks. It's not what anyone wants, but, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. So despite this 
unfortunate situation, and despite the fact that experts predicted a spike in divorces would be a result of quarantine there, a study conducted by the Marriage Foundation found that one in five married couples have seen an actual improvement in their relationship due to lockdown. Interesting. Yeah. 10% of the couples in the study said their relationship has worsened, though, but just 10%. And in addition to that survey, they used the results of about 2,600 parents that completed something called the UK Household Longitudinal Survey Coronavirus Study Okay. by Essex University. Snooze. Very long name. Snooze on that Snooze. title. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a Matthew McConaughey story. <laughs> Uh, But that study found that the number of parents that were considering divorce in June had dropped back down to pre-lockdown numbers of parents considering divorce. So it's gotten better. And this is related to today's topic because it has to do with quality time, I feel Mm -hmm. like. We'll get into what today's topic is. But it's also worth noting that other research in the article indicated that 1 in 10 sexually active Brits have not had sex during lockdown. And obviously we know that's related to people wanting to be safe. Uh But also the study said that people's libido is down in general, which I personally relate to. Sure. It talks about loss of sleep, anxiety, increased TV viewing is said to be partly at fault. And I relate to all of those. Increased TV viewing is bad for your libido? Yeah, I think if you, I mean, for me it is because (laughs) we're fucked. All of the time, even not in lockdown. I think. I think it's, like, nightly entertainment for couples that live together, you know? Yeah. Or stay together Instead at of, like, night. going out. And so, because of all the anxiety and stuff, I think we're just, like, satisfied watching TV as we fall asleep more so than, right. like, you know, combined with a lower libido. Yeah. And I get it. I'm, I, I've had a similar experience. I've yeah. had exhaustion and also... I think this is probably relatable for at least some people listening. My body has changed a lot during quarantine, mm-hmm. and I feel like that affects my love life. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different factors that are different for all of us right now. All of us are, like, less active. and Yeah, um, I definitely don't have, like, the same um, endorphins going. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's, like not happening for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> home all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm glad that most relationships are doing better. Maybe the yeah. trick is, so these were people that were already in a relationship before lockdown, right? Yeah, I think the initial study where people felt like they were doing better and didn't want to get divorced as much as they did in June are all married couples. Yeah. And then the other thing is singles aren't having sex right now or like you know right. one in ten aren't having sex right now right and as someone who started a relationship during lockdown I find that was a very like in a weird intense pressure that and obviously that relationship yeah ended but that was like a a, a weird thing you can't really meet my friends which is a huge part of my of how I date people is like do my friends I think like them? a lot of people relate to that yeah, yeah. I, I guess we can only hang out at one place because, you know, we wanted to be safe. Yeah, and then you have to have a conversation around if you're going to have sex. Like, I have friends who have had sex yeah. in quarantine who, like, want just a hookup. But it's, and they it's get test. Too- they like have to have an agreement beforehand that days before, if you're gonna do that, you both get tested. Yeah, for COVID and that's and- like a wild thing to have to talk to some talk about with someone that you're casually seeing. It's it's absolutely 
a lot. So, you know, this period sucks. Yeah. Uh, and that is <laughs> one of the no lesser reasons why. Yeah. <laughs> but on a brighter note, let's get into our topic today. We're pretty excited about it. Today, we will be talking about love languages. Yes, it was inevitable. It's time. It was inevitable. We've all heard about them, but what are they? Where did they come from? Let's have Meg give us a little context. Me give the history? Can <laughs> of you the even believe? <laughs> All right, here we go. So, The Five Love Languages The Secret to Love That Lasts is a book written by Gary Chapman that was published in 1992. It is a Baptist self help book that has broken its own sales records almost every year since then. And I'll say now that a ton of my research here is from a feature on Gary mm. that Vice did. So, yeah, the book has sold over 12 million copies and has been translated to 51 languages, most recently Arabic, and the first was Spanish. One of the reasons for the success of the book in the West, though, is, you know, we love to classify ourselves into types, we right? Love. Like Myers-Briggs, yeah. our Zodiac signs. We're talking about it all the time. All the time. Um, I'm not Enneagram. even, yeah, yeah, I'm not even, like, very into astrology, but I still find myself talking about it a lot oh yeah because it's comforting to I'm feel sure like we'll... there's a reason for your actions yeah we'll do an episode on it when, yeah absolutely. when Corey and I started dating neither of us are into astrology at all but we would wake up and read our horoscopes and then just be like no that's not true at all here's why I actually communicate this way yeah and that alone was a, just a tool for talking about it and love languages in general has permeated our culture right mm -hmm. so I searched love language the, those words on Twitter today and some of the top results that came up it was an uh, endless scroll I did but... this too actually oh that's yeah. funny yeah it's all stuff like this I told my mom about you is my love language I made a playlist for you as my love language. My love language is you worship me and I breathe. Sounds toxic, but yep. okay. <laughs> uh, quote, let's get boba is my love language. And sending you weird TikToks is my love language. Mm -hmm. And, you I, know, it yeah. goes on forever. I saw a thing on Reddit that was, like, a post in, in this love languages forum about how someone's partner just, like, sends them a lot of memes and mm -hmm. they love that. And yeah. that's, like, in a little expression of, like, I'm thinking about you. I feel like that could be a gift. Right? A gift, yeah. Or mm -hmm. uh, or even, like, an affirmation. Yeah. We'll get into it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it, it, it goes on forever. It's a part of our culture. Almost everyone's heard of love languages or the five love languages. They're referenced constantly on reality TV, Love Island, Are You the One, Millionaire Matchmaker, Real Housewives of Potomac, <laughs> I read, and Orange County. And I feel like so few people know that this book was written by a guy that's now 80 years old and was a pastoral counselor for a Baptist congregation in North Carolina for, like, 50 years. So part of the great success of this book is due to its straightforward concepts, obviously. Like, it's just five things that we're talking about here, right? And the fact that he is incredibly low-key about religion in it. He has, Got it. Yeah, okay. he has, like, one paragraph near the end about his personal relationship with God, and that's it. It's relatable to a lot of people. Yeah. But then it had really good timing in relationship to other self-help books and the history of self-help books in America, I feel like. So the first golden age of self-help literature in the U.S. was in the 60s and 70s when we saw I'm Okay, You're Okay. That was a big book. And other books that provided moral support for right. how to deal with the changing social and sexual culture that, of course, came from the 60s. So, by the 90s, many people who supported and created that counterculture were chilling out, getting older, and had, you know, gotten married. 
And in the same year, this book was published, as well as Men Are From Mars, Women Are From <laughs> Venus. And they were both huge and yeah. both fundamentally conservative. Molly, have you ever read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? No, I, I've just referenced it. Yeah, we all have heard <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, without really knowing we the should, concept. We should do an episode on that book. Yeah, we should definitely read it. All I know is it's incredibly outdated and doesn't hold up. Like, Love Languages clearly has. But the book was published through a Christian publisher, Moody Bible Institute, which if you went to a university like mine, you heard about it a million times. And if you're me, you've never heard yep, about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. It was like a sister school almost to my university. And the book's whole goal was to make marriages healthy and lasting, which I think pretty much anyone can get behind, right? Yeah. So you don't have to know what Moody Bible Institute is to like, right. that's interesting. like this book. Yeah, that's interesting that it, it was so much of the background involves Christianity, but the book itself really doesn't. I don't know that you, today, you really like see that separation. Yeah, I think it depends, but I think that, not that this book is evangelizing in any way. Like he, like I said, he has that one little paragraph about mm-hmm. his own relationship with God, but yeah. I think that's also more effective than, you know, cramming something down Absolutely. someone's throat through like a yeah. very specific True, lens. absolutely. But yeah, like I said, it blew up. Oprah promoted this book. Elizabeth Hasselbeck held it up on The View and said it saved her marriage. Wow. Yeah. Now it's a full-on brand with additions for love languages for children, teens, yep. men, co-workers, and military. Like military spouses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Today, though, people often refer to love languages to explain how they act in a relationship, whether joking or serious, like those tweets were mostly joking. It's usually self-focused instead of how the book discusses it, which is you're supposed to be learning about your partner's love language. What and your then, partner wants. And then giving it to them. So yes. you're okay. learning a language for your partner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I say my love language is this, that's what I like to receive, and ideally my partner will learn that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And finally, there's an app now for it called Love Nudge, Ooh. as well as a website where you can take the love languages quiz, which we both did, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But for now, is there anything else <laughs> I missed about where love languages shows up in media and pop culture? Where we see it? Well, yeah, I'll just talk about where I've seen it recently. Because Great. as you said, Mike, we, talk, we see love languages everywhere. But of course, on a recent episode of this current psychotic season of The Bachelorette, <laughs> which we've already talked about, Claire held a love languages uh, group date yeah. slash challenge with some of the men. So they all gave her little speeches for words of affirmation while she stood in a tower for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why they did that. Also, they all had to like give Claire a physical gift. And if you're watching the show, you know that they're all technically in their bachelor bubble, right? Yeah, they're all quarantined. at this one resort and they can't leave. So they had to like run back to their rooms and get a gift but they were mostly weird honestly like one guy gave her his t-shirt and was like it smells like me you can wear it as a nightshirt it's like you're you gave her a dirty t-shirt yeah (laughs) and you've known each other for like two days right also it's so funny to me to think about if you're in a heteronormative relationship and a girl were to do that it'd be like oh have my t-shirt thank you for this lovely blouse yeah it's like (laughs) You can wear it as a nightshirt. <laughs> That's what he said. It's like crazy. Um, Dale, who she obviously is obsessed with, gave her uh, perfume for her dogs, which I'm like, that's not real. No. Uh, they all then put on blindfolds care. and touched each other for physical oh, touch, yeah. and Claire got crazy horny for Dale, and all the other guys had to stand and watch. All right, this is a Bachelorette podcast now. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> um, and for quality time, we had an iconic Claire moment of her being furious that the guys weren't, like, fighting over her enough. Ugh. She's incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. On her new album, Ariana Grande has a song called Love Languages, and based on lyrics like, you hold me down with every word you speak, her fans think she may be talking about words of affirmation. Okay. Or yeah. she might have just called the song that. She's definitely, she's absolutely talking about <laughs> words of affirmation. It's called, <laughs> the song is called Love Languages. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you hold me down when you speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to listen to this album still. Yeah, it's pretty good. On a recent episode of the podcast, Call Her Daddy, Miley Cyrus, well, it wasn't, it was like in April, but I consider everything during COVID recent. I'm like, yeah, you know, Miley Cyrus talked about her love language, which is acts of service. She also said she hates receiving gifts because she doesn't know what to do with her face when getting them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And her example of an act of service would be like organizing her partner's closet if they say they're upset with it. Like Mm -hmm. if they're like, oh my, the closet's so messy, like as a you know, throwaway comment, she would take care of it without them asking. That's relatable to yeah, me. That's, and, and, done yeah, that in your closet. Right, exactly. <laughs> Meg has done that with every area of my apartment. But I'm getting ahead of myself because first we have to talk about what all of this really is, all of the different love languages. So as I said before, a love language typically refers to the way we feel loved. You might hear people talk about it in the reverse, being like, my love language is acts of service meaning that I like giving acts of service. That's not the way we're going to talk about it. Right. And that's not really the way it's talked about in the book. So if I say that my love language is receiving gifts, that means I feel very loved when I am given a gift. Yeah. That's just a little hint to any listeners <laughs> who might admire me. <laughs> that's not my primary love language, but it's nice. <laughs> Should we get a P.O. box for gifts? <laughs> yeah. We're huge. This will work we're out great. Huge. We're going to get so many yeah. letters. <laughs> So for me, the nice thing about love languages, and you kind of hit on this, Meg, is that they're all pretty simple to define, not always simple to put into practice if you're not comfortable with them, but the concepts mm-hmm. themselves are, are easy to understand, which yeah. is probably why so many people love talking about this stuff. So first, we'll start with words of affirmation. These are verbal expressions of love. It can simply be saying, I love you. It can also be compliments, and it's really helpful and important if these compliments are unsolicited. Now, I say verbal, but these can also be texts and letters, like a little text saying, I'm thinking about you. Come on, that rules, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. If I get, like, a random text during the day from my partner, who's non-existent right now, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it says something like that, it's so nice. Well, I will say, we text each other like that, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> no. I'm drinking wine while I answer. Molly's um, yelling into her wine cup. Uh-huh. <laughs> We check in with each other. I mean, we are very, very close, so you can't be like this with everyone in your life. Yeah, because that that's means unsustainable. A lot to me. But we check in, especially if something stressful is going on. Like, yeah. how's today? What's up? How's it going? Exactly. Yeah, Meg does that. I was sad the other day, and Meg just said, How's today? And I was like, You know, it's just nice to know that someone's thinking about you and mm-hmm. loves you. Yeah, and that's exactly what she was saying to me. <laughs> also, I slept in until 10.30 this morning, and Molly called me. She I was called so her, worried. and I texted her twice, because I'm the one that sleeps in, and Meg isn't. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is she okay? <laughs> I was really nervous. Oh, Yeah. I'm sorry. Also, I had a weird is, sleep night. This is TMI, but I'd smoked a little weed. <laughs> oh, sure. So I was also, like, <laughs> became incredibly paranoid. Oh, no, Molly. <laughs> I'm okay. Anyways, now according to research done by Gary Chapman himself, words of affirmation are the most common primary love language, not by a huge margin though, but it seems like a lot of people like verbal affirmations, which shouldn't be too surprising. No. And words of affirmation, it's pretty straightforward, but here's some examples 
of what that might mm-hmm. look like, right? So saying, I love spending time with you. Aww. You look amazing in that outfit. Ooh. You are my best friend. Yeah. There's no one else I'd rather be with. Yum. <laughs> you are my home. Aww. How did I get so lucky to have you? <laughs> you work really hard. It's amazing. I love that. You're cute as hell. Thank you. Dinner was amazing. Yum, yum. I'm grateful for you. Me too. This is hard, but you're doing great. XOXO. <laughs> and those are all things that I would want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, you can write them a sweet letter or a note. For me, part of words of affirmation, you know, something attached to it is I really like when it happens publicly. Yeah, hell yeah, of course. <laughs> and I have a history of being with people who don't tell me that I'm talented or hardworking or beautiful. And so... Something that really gets me going is not only to hear it from my partner, but to have them, you know, not be ashamed to say it in front of other people. And, yeah, I've personally, until now especially, only dated men that I think their pride is affected or hurt to do that for me. Uh To, like, publicly say or even just say at all that I'm talented. (laughs) So having it, yeah, like I said, done publicly is like an A plus for me. Also something a partner has never done for me is on the occasion that I have a jealous feeling about someone, Mm. they've never looked me in the eyes and said, I like you more than that person. You're like prettier and funnier than them. That's why they are just my friend and you're my partner. You know, like that can Uh be a really helpful form of verbal affirmation, of words of affirmation when you're up against an issue like that yeah yeah that totally makes sense yeah and and something you don't want to do is assume that they know things you haven't explicitly said I think that happens a lot and it really hinders Mm -hmm. your ability to give words of affirmation and also you shouldn't criticize someone unconstructively yeah yeah, words of affirmation are huge for me, I feel like. And me I, too. And I think, I think I also have been in a lot of relationships where I either had to, like, ask too much for them or mm-hmm. I just wasn't getting them. And and that's a whole thing with love languages, too. You don't want to have to ask. Yeah, I was going to get into this later, but it is such a big theme. So, yeah. the whole like, the thing that I kept coming up across in my research was this concept of I don't want to ask them to buy me flowers, but I want them to buy me flowers. Yeah, I remember. Which applies to all of these love languages. I remember a huge, that was like one of my biggest fights with my big New York relationship, Mm -hmm. as I call it, on the pod. Yeah. um, Was, you know, he didn't get me anything for one Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And I was really upset by that. And he was like, I didn't know you wanted anything. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is like a sitcom argument. Like, I didn't know you liked Valentine's Day. Yeah, for sure. All that stuff. And and, and he was like, you don't like flowers. He he was even like, you don't take care of them, which is true. Mm -hmm. It's a mean thing to say, but it was true of me. No, I, that's true. And Meg would say it to me too. (laughs) You know, but I'm like, who fucking cares? Yeah. I could throw away the flowers a second later. It doesn't matter. Like, it's a it's a reminder to me that you love me. Mm-hmm. And that, and then, you know what? After that big fight, I did come home one day, and he had, the whole bed was, like, covered with, like, chocolates and flowers. Aww. So So he listened. He listened. Because you told 100%. him, and he exactly. didn't know. So sometimes you do need to tell them. We'll you, get into it. All the time you need yeah. to tell them. But we're, yeah. we don't want to. No, it feels gross. As, like as humans it usually feels gross but yeah people can't know the way we want 
right. a love language to be expressed to yeah. us if we don't teach them how to speak it. You know, and this is how love languages can save relationships because we tell when we express what we need, then people will start putting that into practice, and and soon, hopefully, if they're good at it, we won't have to keep asking. Well, yeah, because they know what what you want. Yeah, baby. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves, but mm-hmm. next love language, quality time. Quality time refers to being given the undivided attention of your partner. The key word here is quality. It's not necessarily about the amount of time spent together, but, you know, how it is, meaning mm-hmm. there's no focus elsewhere. It can be a short walk, you know, but if you're not yeah. getting distracted by checking your likes on the picture of the tree you just posted, I sound like a dad. <laughs> uh, you're golden. Stop. Get, get off your phone, you know? <laughs> I don't know. No, please. Go for it. <laughs> I agree. Get off your phone. Other things you can do, you can go on a picnic, uh, you know, decide no phones at dinner, go to bed at the same time. I feel like in my relationship, we just sort of always do that, but I know that that's probably not the case for everyone, mm-hmm. you know? Take a class together, you know, learn something together, run errands, cuddle through a movie, volunteer together, craft together, play a board game. If one of you's on a trip, you know, call each other. That's, like, the best you can do for quality time. Like, really be intentional with that. Yeah. Something that Corey and I do is put on a record and say no phones or TV for the entirety of the record. Aww. And we just have to talk through it or listen. Yeah. We also are big into board games, so we'll play, you know, two-person games or nerds together, and that's yeah. always really nice. That's um, nice. Something you don't want to forget is eye contact. Mm-hmm. And truly, a phone can ruin quality time so yeah. easily. Yeah. It's just universal. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, going to bed at the same time is one I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, because... I haven't really been with anyone. For, well, you did that? I guess a couple people, but but in my long-term relationships, that was always, like, an issue. Oh, because yeah. one of you wanted that, or...? Not even necessarily one of us wanted that, but, but it would be like, I'm a person that like needs the tv to fall asleep Mm -hmm. so it'd be like they'd maybe they'd want to go to bed earlier like again my new york relationship it was like we had really different work schedules so he'd stay up really late and we were in one room because we lived in a three-bedroom apartment with friends so like we were only yeah you could only be in our room so i would go to bed watching i would like fall asleep in bed watching tv and he would stay up to like three in the morning editing something or whatever and we kind of had to do that because of our lifestyles but it still was a thing where we were just like never on the same schedule yeah we were never like vibing in that sense yeah it can be really nice obviously you can't always do it I work late a lot as well but it it, it, there's such a nice feeling about getting in bed at the same time and being like yeah yeah that's that's even if the tv's on like right both only paying attention to that maybe yeah um, while you cuddle that's nice yeah, 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 or like, or no TV, and I am probably really annoying to be with, but a lot of the time I'll be like, tell me a story, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. or I'll ask him a question, or say like, ask me a question. That's nice. Yeah. That is really nice. Yeah. Okay, next is receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. This refers to getting a physical representation of love in the form of a material gift. Now, this does not mean that a person whose love language is receiving gifts is materialistic and that this love language is somehow less valuable, which is what some people think. I watched a video by personality coach Abby Howe about this misconception. She says that this love language of receiving gifts absolutely makes sense for a tactile person, which a lot of us are. Mm -hmm. 
She also said that according to Gary Chapman, it's not about the gift, it's about the emotional love communicated by the gift. It can be flowers, it can be something that doesn't cost any money, like a playlist or like a cool rock you found. I don't know, I wouldn't like getting a rock, but some people might. <laughs> I, I was on a hike and I picked up this rock because it reminded me of you. No, I mean, what you're saying is silly because it's a rock, but at the same time, it's not about a gift, right? It's that, it's like, hey, here's a physical representation that I was thinking about you when I wasn't around you. Yeah. And that is really yeah. nice. For me, like, I think I want that in a text, right? Like, I want that words of affirmation. Yeah, sure, but... But also, I'd love freaking getting home and someone being like, here's this thing. Or, like, I often, when I go to the grocery store, will pick... I, Corey really likes Reese's, so I'll just grab, grab a two-pack of Reese's and throw it in the fridge, and, like, that's me being like, oh, this... Like, I hate chocolate. Sorry, everyone, and revealing yeah, this psychopath. horrible thing about me, but... I'm like, oh, but I can buy a dollar pack of Reese's. And yeah, like that. I think absolutely. he likes that, right? That's really not. No, that's really nice. I like that a lot. And um, it's just like I was thinking about him. That's yeah, really all it is. So, and what are some other examples? Yeah, make a normal day special with like a planned activity. Like I said, pick something up for them on your way home. Corey picks up wine for me a lot. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Write them a card. Buy flowers, like we said. Make them food when they're sick or otherwise. When you're straight up getting them a gift, like say it's their birthday or something, make it something that they've mentioned before or that you know is important or meaningful to them. It's not just like about what you're spending. It's about what you're buy- you know, getting for them that means something uh, you could drop them something like lunch at work or, like you said, make a playlist. Some things to not do for people that prefer <laughs> gifts. Don't forget special days like birthdays or anniversary. Like you said, don't mistake it for materialism. This is a sustainable love language. Corey and I struggle with this because I do want small gestures, but I think at times he gets caught up in his head about how nice things should be. Mm, but like, like how fancy yeah or how sure. valuable and this has a lot to do about our different like financial you know views mm-hmm. but if you set the table really nice and light a candle and put away your phone but the food on the plates is del taco dollar menu you better believe i don't give a fuck right yeah like, it's the fact it's that you the set gesture. the table and then like uh-huh. i don't care absolutely absolutely what it is and i think that's an example of giving gifts and it's also an example of our next love language which is acts of service Mm -hmm. right and so acts of service i think this is a big one for both of us Mm -hmm. uh it's important for people who believe that actions speak louder than words which is most of us i think (laughs) yeah um it's definitely me acts of service is performing an action for the person it might be romantic or it might be helpful like putting away the laundry unsolicited and if i'm the person (laughs) receiving this i don't (laughs) want to have to hint to you that i want you to do that thing right you should just do it because you recognize that this is how i am best shown love now we keep saying this but it's like you're gonna need to have the discussion at some point that like this is what i want but every time i don't want to ask you every time well, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it comes down to, like, especially if you're living together, sharing responsibilities to get through and live life, right? Exactly. So if I'm super stressed, it's not just, like, this nice act of service that you do the laundry. Like, no, someone has to do it. You have more time. Yeah. Great. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, seeing that your partner's needs are being met is really kind. And right. And going out of your way to recognize that you can do that for them is great huge yeah so what are some other examples yeah i mean make their coffee 
Corey will do that for me sometimes in the morning because I like yeah, lose really my mind. Weird. I don't know why. It's just like, like a small I'm so thing. So horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have fun at work. Bye. Yeah. Um, I dated someone who would make coffee for me as soon as we woke up, and then he'd like bring it back to bed, and we'd sit in bed and drink the coffee. Yeah, that's like, amazing. This is so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wash their car for them, tell them to relax, you have the chores taken care of, you know, if you have kids, take care of the kids for a night, give you a night off to mm-hmm. do whatever, probably drink wine, watch garbage TV, make their lunch for them the next day, you can even just ask, how can I help, how can I make things easier for you, plan a trip or activity, and remind them that they can always ask you for help, that's something that's huge for me, I know that in itself isn't an act of service, but being told, like, how can I help or yeah, ask that uh-huh. is important for me. Absolutely. Because I'm bad at asking for it, which yeah. we keep coming back to. But something yeah. to not do is say you're going to do something and not follow through mm-hmm. if acts of service is really important to your partner. And also don't care more about someone else's to-do list than your partner's. And don't ignore their requests for help. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I was just um, on the phone earlier with my sister who lives in Boston with her boyfriend. And she was sitting in the kitchen and he was making like a roast. Mm. And I was like, Phil, that's so nice. Because Mora <laughs> was like sitting drinking wine while he was making a roast. And he was like, yeah, well, like Mora does like a bunch of the other stuff. Like she does a bunch of the other chores. So of course I'm going to do this. And, like, he kind of said it as a thing of, like, duh, and I wanted to be, like, (laughs) doesn't always happen, babe. (laughs) But it was was very sweet and, like, a nice example of this right before we recorded the pod. Nice. Now, saving the best for last, my physical touch. It's not actually the best for everyone. Okay. But it is last on my list. (laughs) Physical touch. It's physically connecting. Easy. You know, it doesn't have to be sexual. Get your mind out of the gutter, Meg. God damn it. (laughs) How'd you know? (laughs) I don't accept physical touch if it's not sexual. (laughs) Yikes. It can be hand-holding, a hug, a little pat on the butt if that's appropriate. (laughs) If that's Um, appropriate. And that, you know, but a pat on the butt. How do I know? That could be sexual or it could be part of a sporting event. Yeah, or funny. If, or hilarious. If, if you know it's, if you know it's <laughs> On like... this podcast, we support patting people on the butt. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the lines get blurred for people who perform improv regularly. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's hope that not all our whole listener base is improvisers. <laughs> well, well, it probably is. Yeah. Um, and it can be, it also obviously can be more romantic or sexual, like making out or having sex. Um, obviously, consent's always the most important thing here. You're not speaking my love language if you're touching me on the butt and I don't no. want it. No, thank you. No. This is not a pass for you to touch people and say that you're showing them, you know, support and love. Exactly, yeah. Um, Obviously, it's within the confines of consent and also a relationship, whether it's friendship or romantic, but, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, patting a butt is funny, and I feel like it probably would be if I did it to you, but not not someone I'm not best friends with. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I wanted to preface this. What I read is... There's an argument of if sex is included at all when you're talking about this. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. At least when uh, Chapman talks about it, it's not. It's sort of all the other things, but a lot of people say it is. And obviously, it comes into the conversation, especially if you're talking about, and well, specifically if you're talking about a romantic relationship. Absolutely. That's Uh, an interesting detail, though. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's not really in the book in that way, but obviously, some. You know, physical touch leads to others, so 
it's not like we can say they're not related. <laughs> okay, so some ways that you can do this, it's pretty straightforward, but you know, hug them when they're leaving, hold their hand, foot rub, massages when they have pain, cuddle on the couch, high five, stroke their hair when giving them a compliment, touch their shoulder or arm while you're talking to them, hold their face and say something sweet or kiss. Mm -hmm. PDA in general could be good. Another thing you should talk about, some people hate it. Yeah. I like it to an extent. Pretty, right, same. Pretty low level. Same, yeah. I don't uh, know that mine's a low level, but I... Yeah? Yeah. I like PDA to an extent. I don't like kissing in public, personally. I'm not a big kisser in public, but everything else, like hugging and, and arm around and all that stuff. Yeah, there's something there's something nice about being like, we're each other's people in public. Yeah. Again, a yeah, public, exactly. you know, proclamation. Yeah. Ask them what they like the most when you're engaging in physical touch. Obviously applicable in sex or not. My my personal favorite thing in the world is having my back scratched, and Corey does it more than I even believe Aww. is, like, tolerable for a person. Wow. It's truly saved our relationship in a few moments. That's really nice. <laughs> um, something to not do is make it seem forced or repetitive mm -hmm. or, you know, not genuine. Yeah. I really like being kissed on the top of my head. Yes. <laughs> by we were partner. just talking about this. We were just talking about Corey and Meg and I were talking about this the other night. I was somewhat recently reminded that that is something that I very much like because someone did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking my favorite love thing. this. And I really like if I'm cuddling with someone and we're holding hands or whatever and they rub their... She's doing I'm it doing to herself. It. I know. I'm doing it to myself. <laughs> no one can see. Oh, inner... Oh, here's the thing. Molly's oh, interlocking, interlocking her fingers her right now. And uh -huh. I will say I... I like can't even look at your fingers in the Really? Lock. You hate that? Mm -hmm. I hate things between my any of my digits. My That's so weird. Toes I love digits. it. I think it's if because <laughs> injury warning, I stepped on a broken sprinkler head in my youth and almost cut my toe off <sighs> between my toes. And I think that's it that like made that intolerable for me. I hate when things get in between my toes and I can't hold hands interlocked. We oh, always do it, like, elementary school style. <laughs> I love interlocking hands because it feels more intimate. I'm not going to yeah, do that. Yeah, no, I get that. You know, with a friend. But what I was trying to say before is, like, if you're holding hands and someone's kind of, like, moves their thumb around, tracing your hand, it's just, like, sure. shows that they're big. Active hand-holding. Yeah, that is very nice. I'm also big on physical touch in friendships. Obviously not now because of COVID. I haven't touched anyone in a while. <laughs> yeah, but, that's like, true. Hugs, you are. Hugs. And I also, like, if I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking of you this. You cuddle. I cuddle. I'm thinking about, he's popping into my head because we read his story on the last podcast, but our friend Mark, we sit next to each other in improv shows, during improv shows a lot, in the audience, yeah. and like I'll always like lean against yeah, his shoulder or something. Leaner. Yeah, and I, I love doing that with friends. Obviously, it's a friend where I know they're okay with it. I don't yeah. do that with people that wouldn't be okay with it, but I'm big on cuddling and like... Yeah, no, yeah. this is something actually, it's reminding me we had a conversation early on in our friendship because I was worried... <laughs> that I wasn't like friendly friend compatible with you this yeah. was at the root of it yeah. it was something else I but like this. I am not like that very yeah. much I am a little bit and we do sometimes like I'm a leaner uh -huh. with my good friends but I'm not inclined to cuddle with my friends yeah and yeah, we had to talk about it. We had to talk bit. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, because I was doing that with other people. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think for me, it was almost like not not a jealousy thing so much as like, oh, I think maybe my friendship won't be as strong as mm. hers with these people that are down to cuddle. 
Aww, but we know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. We're past it. <laughs> okay, so we went over, you know, the five love languages. Those are the love languages. How you might act them out. Here's what research says about these love languages. Yes. So, basically, they've achieved the status of clinical legitimacy without having really done much to earn that and yes it's based on you know Chapman's many many years as a relationship counselor but there haven't really been conclusive studies done on it in 2006 there was a study that said it could lead to improved relationships but that's sort of it it seems and some people that are critical of the languages critique that there is a danger it will only resonate with our most selfish parts so you know saying, okay, partner, you know what my needs are, now meet them, here we go, that's it, you know? Yeah, it makes it a little too black and white, might yeah. be the argument. as mm-hmm. opposed to using them to give love better, like we talked about. Yeah. And then, finally, I did read about this one study where one finding was that in relationships where there were two people that didn't have aligned love languages, so, you know, they weren't the same, mm-hmm. both men and women reported that they were happier... After the women adjusted their behavior mm -hmm, to adapt to their partner's needs. Of course. Because in heteronormative relationships, this is how it almost always works, I feel like. Women doing the emotional labor. Mm -hmm. And this is certainly my experience in (laughs) in relationships I've had with men. Mm -hmm. And where I bear the mental burden of this and everything else, like, from... What housewarming to gift to buy our friends to how to fix and work on the relationship. And, of course, couples do better when female partners realign their behavior. Like, someone's doing the work, right? Yeah. I've, I've had this Pissing experience many... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had this experience many times, too. But I will say, in my New York relationship that I talk about... I gotta find another way to... I'm, I feel like I'm bringing it up a lot because I'm in a weird place right now. I'm newly single, and I'm reflecting a lot on my past relationships, and that was, uh, of course, my biggest relationship. I don't want it to come back. I No, I know. I don't, think, I don't think people would think that you do. I but think... I only... I, yeah, I just feel the need to clarify it because I keep bringing it up, but it is something I've been reflecting on a lot since I'm, like, newly single. I mean, I'll talk about my divorce for the rest of my life. Exactly. So I don't yeah. think you need to explain yourself. We're talking about this on a relationship podcast that we host... We're going to need reference points. Right, and I don't want to say his name, so it's like a yeah, weird don't. thing. But, yeah, I do. I will say in that relationship, I do feel like he did a lot of the emotional labor in that sense. Yeah, but normally it's not that way. No, I just think there's so many other, like, this is one little, you know, study that was done on the love languages. Mm-hmm. and Well, we see that with a lot of, I see that with people, I see that with friends in relationships. Yeah, and it's like a... In, proven, in heteronormative relationships. There's proven terms for it, right? Exactly. Male yeah. exothemia and, what's it called? There, You know, women bear the burden of the day-to-day, right? Yeah. The... The, like I said, where are our kids going to get their new shoes? What are we going like, to order what? for dinner? It's, of, yeah. it's very, very common, unfortunately, and things are getting better in that sense, but it still exists. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Okay, so now to answer the question a little more, do people think learning love languages is legitimate as a practice in sustaining a relationship? Mm. So basically, when Gary Chapman's book became part of the cultural lexicon, obviously a lot of people working in the you know, therapy field. Mm-hmm. Working in, in Had opinions on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and their feelings are mixed. It seems that most agree, though, that as a form of a relational maintenance tool, it has value. It's referred to as a attentiveness plus behavioral change formula. So it's used to realize what you might need to work on to make you more compatible and satisfied in a relationship. Yes. Obvious. Like, it's a way to talk about your relationship with labels. One study did find that when two people's love languages are aligned, meaning the same ones are important to the other, that it was a pretty weak predictor of relationship satisfaction, which makes sense to me personally. Mm -hmm. Just because it's what you want doesn't mean you're automatically good at giving it. Yeah. Or that you are compatible people in general. Yeah, this is something that just happened on my phone call with my sister. I told you this when you arrived here to record today, but... Uh, her and her boyfriend roasted me because I was saying that we were going to do love languages. (laughs) And she was like, what's your love language? And I was like, oh, well, my primary one, I guess, is quality time. That's, Mm -hmm. like, my highest percentage. And she was like, oh, that's interesting because you're not that good at giving it. And, like, my sister and I are, like, best friends. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was not offended by this, but she's right. When she comes to visit me, I'm like, oh, okay, we can have dinner, but I also got to do this show and I got to do this other thing. And I'm distracted. I'm mm-hmm. bad about being on my phone a lot of the time. And like, you know that about me and all that stuff. Corey and I are both bad at that. So like yeah, sometimes... my two people are really bad at that. Exactly. So I have to you. Yeah. So it's funny. I was like, well, I, I was like, Maura, gotcha. I didn't say I was good at giving it. <laughs> I said I wanted to get it. Exactly. Like, yeah. just because two people have the same love language that they want to receive, right? That's what a love language is. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're compatible. Mm-hmm. So that's all that study said. It's It doesn't indicate, you know, you're going to have great success in a exactly. relationship, of yeah, course. Yeah. And it should be noted, too, that experts advise against using these love languages as the only way you refer to communication styles and relationship satisfaction. People are complicated, you know, and, and someone who has a history of serious trauma and, you know, say physical abuse is not going to have the same opinions on physical touch yeah of course as someone who hasn't and Mm -hmm. and there's more careful work that should be done there and more to learn Mm -hmm. with all this in mind though here are a few brief ways that a psychologist or neuroscientist might explain what's up with each of these five love languages okay yeah hit me so words of affirmation as explained by dr Catherine lively affirmations can reprogram the subconscious mind to help us create the reality that we want such as in love, beauty, wealth, etc. So essentially, affirmations encourage us to believe certain things about ourselves or about the world. Another concept from the book Words Can Change Your Brain by Andrew B. Newberg and Mark Robert Waldman says that using words of affirmation can improve our brain function, resulting in an increase of cognitive reasoning and strengthen frontal mm. lobes. So that's a lot but as a reminder the frontal lobe controls a collection of our cognitive skills like the capacity to plan organize initiate self-monitor and control one's responses in order to achieve a goal so basically it's changing the way that you view how obtainable achieving a goal is okay so you know someone tells you you're great you can do this yeah. You're more likely to believe it yourself and then do yeah. it, Yeah. Right? I did say earlier, like, most of us believe that actions speak louder than words, but I've certainly mm-hmm. been fooled by words <laughs> a lot in yeah, the past, sure. you know, because those are so important to me. Mm-hmm. So if someone tells me, like, you're so great, I really like you, but then doesn't show that in their actions, I might get fooled for a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure. You know? That's but the negative side of it. both are important to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, so for quality time, of course, in order to build a strong relationship, you need meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't really happen otherwise. Whether it's over the phone or whatever, you need quality connection time at some point. So even if you see other people, you can still feel alone inside after, right? Of course. We've all done that thing where we're, like, sad and we go to a party to distract ourselves. And then we get home and we're like, oh, now I want to die, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Being in the same place doesn't constitute quality time. Right. There has to be a connection with each other. Otherwise, it can leave a feeling of being alone and empty. So the psychology behind this one is is kind of just obvious. In order to build a relationship, you need that time. Exactly. As for acts of service, neurobiologists have found that selfless acts can activate the reward centers of your brain. This means that positive feelings created by compassionate actions reinforce selfless behaviors. So basically the psychology here is just that you're putting your money where your mouth is in Mm -hmm. a way. For the receiver, they feel appreciated and cared for when you perform an act of service for them. It's really simple, like you're just saying, really. Yeah, exactly. For gift giving, according to Dr. Gerald Kerwan, the program chair of Masters of Arts in Psychology at Ashford University, gift giving increases feelings of satisfaction and helps reinforce relationships because... You're acknowledging each other in a positive way. And there is sentimentality at play here. So depending on the gift, you know, say it's something the receiver sees repeatedly, like a necklace or something, Mm -hmm. that means they're also repeatedly reminded of your effort and your love for them. Yeah. 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 My college boyfriend gave me a necklace that was ugly, but I wore it all the time because (laughs) it, like, really, like, made me happy that he, like, yeah, that it was, like, a reminder that he cared about me. That's nice. Yeah. What did it look like? It was, like, (laughs) it was, like... I don't think he listens to this. He's engaged now, whatever. He it knows was like, what it is. It was like three. <laughs> he like, knows what I, it looks this like. Was, I had two boyfriends in college. This was oh, the first. Oh, well, he's getting roasted right yeah, now. Yeah, so this, it was like a, a necklace with like three blue beads with like little rhinestones in them. It was very like okay. something that like a. Uh, yeah, it mm, sounds like mid-2000s a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but this was 2012. Oh, it sounds like it sounds like something I would have worn in like I'm older than middle you, like, school. <laughs> it sounds like something I would have worn in like middle school. Okay. He got it at Claire's, great. Maybe, but <laughs> it was the thought that counted. Like yeah, I didn't you care. I wore it every day, even yeah. though I was like, well, I don't really like it. But like that, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I think I'd still be the same way. <laughs> I think you would too. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna freaking wear this every day. I have ugly tattoos, and I don't care. <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, it's a reminder of, like, this time in my life or whatever, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it matters. And then you see it and you're reminded. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last. last, Save the best best for for last. last. Physical touch. Why doesn't my brain work right now? Okay. Physical touch (laughs) is, of course, about more than sex. In psychology, touch is the first sense that we acquire when we are infants. It's our first form of communication to the world. That is why it's critical in our social and behavioral development. Research says that by touching, we have the ability to send and receive emotional signals from other people. It can be versatile, too, of course, right? Touch can show that you can communicate joy, love, gratitude, and sympathy. Tactile physical affection is highly correlated with overall relationship and partner satisfaction. Moreover, conflict resolution is apparently easier with more physical affection including hugging, cuddling, holding, and kissing mm-hmm. on the lips. Obviously, like, you can't be too mad if you're doing those things at the same time. Yeah. But still helpful along the way. Overall, Molly, when we're talking about 
you know, the legitimacy of these five love languages. I think this quote from Detroit-based psychotherapist Stephanie Gorlick sums up everything really well. She says, I don't consider it to be an evidence-based practice, but I do find it to be a very useful tool and use it in my work with couples. I've found that eight times out of ten, whatever the issues are that my client couples bring to the table, they are rooted in a fundamental misalignment in how each partner gives and receives love. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like I said, people use it because it is a good tool, whether it is backed by science more than other things, I don't know, it doesn't because seem like it. It's but about communication when that's it comes down what to it. It's is. very simple. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I totally get that. Now, I also wanted to talk very briefly about love languages and self-love because this is, oh, cool. um, as a freaking single woman, this is something <laughs> like I want to think about. So all love languages can be applied to self-love, self-love right? Mm-hmm. So words of affirmation, say nice things to yourself in the mirror, write yourself a letter, acts of service, do things for yourself that your later self will thank you for, right? Like make that doctor's appointment, meal prep, all yeah. the things that I never do for myself. Mm. and would be good for me to do, you know? Sure. Right. I also think for me, doing acts of service... I won't interrupt. I think you've trained yourself to be good at some... Like, the things that you really need to give yourself, though. Mm. Like what? Um, I mean, I... You give yourself downtime, and you also nourish yourself with food in a really good way. Yes. I I mean, I have been through endless therapy, so I do know... Yes, you're right. Like, I do know I just don't want you to say, like, you're really that bad at it because there's things you're really good at there. Yeah, thank you. That's very nice of you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Gifts. Give yourself something nice. Make something nice for yourself. You know? That's, like... Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, like, buy yourself something. I think I might be good at this. I think I'm good at it, too. (laughs) Quality time. Unplug and do something solo. A thing, again, I almost never do, to be honest. But when I do, it rocks. Yeah. Uh, It feels really nice. It's almost... Does it feel harder to do during COVID? Yes, I feel like because it, then you're alone with your thoughts, and no one's thoughts are that fun right now. Because we're not, like, not alone enough. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need that escape right yeah, now. I don't need more. <laughs> I don't need yeah. more alone time. Uh, physical touch, take a hot bath, stretch, and stuff like that. Treat yourself to a massage, which can also be, like, a nice little gift that you give yourself. Yep. Great and gift. then also masturbate. So yeah. uh, Mary Grace Garris wrote a piece for Well and Good, which I really liked. It was about using your love languages in masturbation. And it okay. didn't just talk about physical touch. It's all the love languages. And she got this information by speaking with sexologists and sex educators. So for words of affirmation, you can look at yourself in the mirror naked and talk about how like hot you are or how great okay. you are. Really, really difficult. Mm-hmm but could be a good practice for some people. You can write down mm-hmm. things you like about yourself, like, and this might help you get, get you revved up. Mag, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, you know? Um, for oh, quali- me in particular? You, Meg. Um, <laughs> for quality time, make sure your masturbation time is uninterrupted. You can even schedule it into your calendar if you'd like. Again, hey, Meg, do you want to do that? My, <laughs> the I... idea of my masturbation being interrupted is horrifying already. Yeah, so but, think... like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean. <laughs> like, Maybe don't have the TV phone. on. Okay, okay. Yeah, we got it <laughs> for gifts buy yourself a new freaking vibrator or some sexy mm-hmm. candles or lingerie i think it's cool to wear like hot stuff when you're alone and be and look in the mirror and be like i look hot i it's not an yeah. easy thing for me to do but every once in a while i can do it and i'm like okay hell yeah when you dressed me up for halloween i was like i look hot <laughs> and i was, kept looking in the mirror i did i did dress up and do molly's makeup on halloween <laughs> absolutely she did um access service could be making sure your bed and your room is clean before you master all right well you can't do this i guess it's not for you everything everything i say is like i don't do this but here's something you could do yeah this um, one i'm not defending you on 
<laughs> That's something I don't do a lot, but it would make me hornier. Um, <laughs> and fi- finally, for people's primary love language is physical touch. Gara says it's about maximizing that physical touch, right? So really sure. take it slow. Explore yourself. Tease yourself, if you will, Nick. You okay, know? yeah. I, but you know what's something interesting? And I, I struggled with this when I was in, like, intense therapy and eating disorder treatment. Is like, so many things, like, so many self-care things are, like, things that I struggle to do day-to-day. Like, mm-hmm. make a bath for yourself. Light candles. And, like, sit and meditate. Honestly, even when I was in treatment and I was, like, being forced to do those things, mm-hmm. it was something I hated and I was never good at. And when you look up tips on love languages, self-love, all that stuff, that's what you see. And so for mm-hmm. me, I think I'm really trying to figure out, like, what actually works for me. Yeah, that you makes sense. You know what sense. I mean? Like, say nice things to yourself in the mirror. I'm probably not going to do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, dance alone in my apartment. You know? That's something that I like. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, makes, and me makes you feel, feel good, good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I said this before, like, for acts of service, I don't, I procrastinate a lot on stuff for myself, like, doctor's appointments, like, all that stuff, but I do like volunteering, and, like, sometimes I feel like doing acts of service for other people is is also an act of service for myself, mm-hmm. because while it's hard in the moment, I feel really good after, and that is something that I, like, get myself to do, so I'm, I'm trying to think about it in a way that's not, like, as cheesy, covered in therapy language, because mm-hmm. I spent so much time doing that. I spent so much time, like, sitting in, in a big room with, like, a group of women drawing my feelings or laying on the ground and meditating a lot of it isn't stuff I connect with anymore even though therapy saved my life so I'm trying to figure out what works for me yeah you know, the, know. The new, that's just a little side note therapy like for the new you that makes yeah. sense everyone should be actively thinking about that I think yeah so okay so as you know Meg I love reddit mm-hmm. <laughs> and I explore it before every episode we do you love reddit like I love psychology today yeah <laughs> That's very true. (laughs) So there is, I mentioned before, there's a love languages forum. Mm -hmm. So here's a post I found about, like, love languages getting complicated, which was interesting to me. Okay. So the poster wrote, hello, I'm hoping that someone can provide some outside input to my problems. To set up our respective backgrounds, my wife and I have been married for nearly eight years and been together for ten. Early in her life, she was subjected to a large amount of sexual and emotional abuse. And these forms of abuse were present until her mid to late teens. She suffered from depression, anxiety, and body dysmorphia. Her love language is primarily physical touch, followed by quality time. Conversely, my upbringing didn't have direct abuse, but my family is extremely averse to either words or touches of comfort. To memory, I've been hugged by my parents roughly three times in my life, the last of which occurred after my last attempt at committing suicide over ten years ago. I'm diagnosed with depression, low T, low self-image, and all that fun business. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know what my love language is, but every test I've taken points to either quality time or words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think about my own language needs, and if they are going unmet, I don't necessarily know that. However, my bigger concern is my wife not having her Mm -hmm. needs met. Her family is heavily based on touch and closeness, and to be honest, sometimes it feels like an alien language to me. Mm -hmm. I do my best to provide touch in our day-to-day life, but I know that's insufficient. She needs the closest of touch. She needs to feel close and loved and wanted. She deserves all that and more. It's also something I'm woefully unequipped to give. My primary method of giving is acts of service. If she's having a hard day and feeling overwhelmed, I do as much as I can around the house to help out and hopefully take some of the daily responsibilities of adulting off her plate. This usually backfires due to her feeling guilt or anxiety over the fact that I'm doing housework and she isn't. Mm -hmm. So another fun problem to add to the pile is my low testosterone. I'm not a manly man. I'm not a sexual being. I've never been a handsy guy and never been a groper, grabber, or smacker. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the latter behaviors are okay by any means. Well, you know, with consent. Right. 
but they at least would have provided some experience on conveying something through touch. I've tried therapy, I've tried self-help, I've tried books and activities like CBT, etc., but continue to come up short. I've tried to look up and research the concept of changing my love language, but the gist of all of them has been along the lines of, sorry, you're screwed. Hmm. Her depressing anxiety get worse by the day, and I'm at the end of my lips and the end of my rope. I don't have any witty, zinger, or catchy phrase to sum this all up. Please help me find a way to help her. Thank you for your time and consideration. Heartbreaking thing to read. Yeah. Because so many things are going into that, right? Yeah, but there's also a lot here that's relatable, even if these aren't your Incredibly life experiences. Incredibly relatable. Yeah. So, in response to this, another poster gave some advice that I liked. Okay, cool. So, I'm going to read that. Hi, OP. Try this. Talk to her and say this or share this with her. Oh. Quote, you know that we've been struggling with each other's love languages. You know I default to showing you I love you through acts of service, and I know that stresses you out more than it helps you sometimes. So from now on, I'm going to try another approach. When I see that you're stressed out, I'm going to come to you and say, I see that you're stressed out, I love you, and I want to know, I want you to know that I love you, and I want to help in whatever way I can. My instinct right now is to do, insert whatever you think you should do, but I know that you might not want that right now. So what can I do right now to help you know that I love you? Do you think that will help us communicate in the moment about what it is I can I can do to help you? Oh my god, I'm crying. I know, it's really good, right? Really good advice. Just like something that somebody didn't have to even help with, and yeah. it's really nice. Yeah, and I, I hate and love Reddit for that. Like, Reddit is so toxic and also so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this other one. Here's an interesting post from someone who feels like they lost a love language during COVID, which I thought was interesting. Mm. So, from the poster. Over quarantine and some of last year when I was sick non-COVID, I just got tired (laughs) of missing hugs from friends. Also, I feel bad for pretty much anyone whose primary love language is physical touch in this society, even before lockdowns. It's my secondary or was quality time is first, and I think words of affirmation has recently risen in importance. Makes mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. I don't feel like I miss hugs anymore. I still accept them because I think it's important to understand each love language. I don't think this was a poster in the U.S. I think this was a poster where COVID isn't bad yeah, anymore. Yeah. I think it's important to understand each love language, but they're just too awkward to ask for these days. I'm not mm-hmm. an initiator. I'm afraid if someone gets that close to me, they're going to find me weak or somehow deduce that something's wrong with me. And if I initiate, I'll make them uncomfortable. Deep down, I miss when I didn't feel so shameful to want to hug. I don't want to lose the physical touch love language forever, but for now, I've parted with it, and it still feels like part of me is missing. I used to feel like a hug between friends was the most genuine and hard to counterfeit expression of platonic love there was. They also made me feel less anxious, even Mm. just for a little while. I feel empty right now. I want to run to my friends, but I can't bring myself to talk about what I need or want to need or want to not need. Ugh. Another I, another thing, it, it's just, like, communication is obviously so important, but it's also so difficult, and I'm not going to pretend like it's easy. I also really related to this particular post because, as I said before, like, my love language with friends a lot is, like, touching, and I'm, like, mm-hmm. if I go to a parking with my friends that's, like, socially distant, I want to reach out and touch them, and I can't. You know, like, my instinct is to lean yeah. on them or whatever. Yeah. It feels very strange. And I think I almost guarantee this person probably lives alone and that's so hard for so many people right now Mm -hmm. who are trying to be careful and yeah this is real and probably relatable for a lot of people yeah absolutely sucks yeah I miss it. I miss it too, and it's not even like a big one. Your primary love language. Yeah, yeah. I know. I also want to say to that first story. I just feel like it's so relatable, and the fact that that person—not that they're listening, but (laughs) the fact that they're trying so hard to figure it out—is amazing to Mm -hmm. me. Because when I think about, it's really beautiful. When I think about my marriage and how it wasn't 
there were things that weren't working, so my partner just shut down and stopped talking to me, and I would have to beg them to just tell me that they love me and they refused to do it. It's, like... Heartbreaking. If if I had been with a person like this, it would be totally different, no matter... The communication I mean, not that I understand there. where his wife is coming from, but just that they're trying <laughs> at all is... Big. Really nice and yeah, beautiful I, thing to be asking for help with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Meg, obviously, mm-hmm. we, we, took, we took the quiz. We took the quiz, which is on the official Five Love Languages website. Yeah. To find out our love languages. Now, I have to say, just as a former sociology major, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know exactly how accurate this quiz is. I think there's a lot of bias in the sense that you know you're taking a love language quiz. So you take it and you're like, oh, if I pick this, it'll make me see this. But, you know, yeah. and that happens with all of these, like, personality tests and stuff. So, I don't know. I feel like I wanted no, to say No, yeah, that I think right. mine was really biased by my current relationship. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, I kind of struggled a little bit taking the quiz because it would be like, do you feel loved more when this happens? happens or this happens and I didn't have like a specific person to put into that yeah sure uh, example so but I do think when I look at my results they feel pretty apt yeah sure yeah. we kind of had opposite results yeah <laughs> okay so I was a pretty even mix somewhat yeah. my primary love language was 30 percent uh, quality time so that's technically my primary, but I also was 27% words of affirmation. Yeah, that's high. Or so again, close. not good at giving quality time, love receiving. <laughs> sure. 17% receiving gifts, 13% physical touch, which surprised me because physical touch, at least in my... But I think when I was taking the quiz, I was thinking about romantic rather than friendships. Sure. 13% physical touch and then 13% acts of service. Yeah, whereas I was... 37% acts of service, that was my big one, mm-hmm. and then there's a much bigger gap between the rest. I was 27% quality time, 20% words of affirmation, 10% physical touch, 7% receiving gifts, which I, I thought it was interesting physical touch wasn't last, but it was close. Yeah. <laughs> also, acts of service is your big one that you like to receive, but I didn't even like realize that because you're so good at giving acts of service that I also didn't realize that that's like what you want as well. Yeah, I think I was definitely looking at this through more of a lens of romance. I feel like it's a little different for me, you know, between romance and friendship love. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like I take care of my life pretty diligently, and when somebody takes care of something in it for me, it I love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. when someone's like, all right, well, you don't have to do this one thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's so nice. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what? let's talk about our friendship, Meg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So, like, I don't know. Something you do is you perform acts of service for me, which is really nice and cool and makes me feel so loved, even when I have to, like, <laughs> Meg, Meg will go overboard sometimes by, like, sneaking mm-hmm. around and washing the dishes when I'm, like, not paying attention. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> but um, Don't stop. But again, as we said before, I also think words of affirmation is a big one for us. Yeah, I will say, and this is... <laughs> I don't feel super comfortable saying this, but it is how I felt while I was taking this quiz and it was like giving examples of, you know, what I want. I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at all of these. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, I think you are. That was my takeaway. To a fault, I think I am a peacekeeper and like give a lot and yeah. don't think about myself very much a lot of the time. But I think I that's a hundred percent true about you. I think you're good at all of them at, at the expense of yourself. Sometimes. Maybe I'm not as good at physical touch and a friendship. But I think in a relationship, I'm good yeah. at it. Yeah. Okay. How about 
we were like starting over in a way because I do feel like we talk about these things a little bit regularly. Mm-hmm. Starting over in our friendship? Yeah, in a way, like in this conversation. Mm-hmm. What, Molly, mm. do you need from me? Mm. Even if I'm already giving it, what can, what do you need? Wow, that's today? so, that's really a really good question. I think you already give it to me so much, so it like <laughs> feels unfair to ask for more, but I think like sometimes I need more reassurance that like everything's okay mm-hmm. words of affirmation yeah I always feel guilty like especially about like the podcast and stuff because a lot of times you do more work well you have you have more going on yeah but not always you know and sometimes I'm like I feel so bad and in my head I'm like she must hate me for I know you don't hate me but it's like you know what I mean you do tell me you're like no it's fine but I almost need more of that sometimes and that's probably not even fair to ask of no it is I'm gonna do it right now so I I like having control over things yeah I know it gives me joy so I know never have I thought that you aren't doing your part and also we're not going to talk about it on the podcast. It's unrelated in a way, but you're going through a really hard thing right now. Yeah. And I think you're handling it so well. Oh my God, thank Literally, you. your response to going through a hard thing was to go out yesterday and donate your time to people. And that is such a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's really nice of you to say. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Um, okay. Well, same question for you. Okay. Um... I always want you to tell me, this is sort of like anti-words of affirmation, but tell me if I'm too much. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) It's like, it's so interesting because it's, you never are, but I can feel you being like worried about that. Yeah, because I think it's, I've experienced that. In friendships? Yeah, I think if we're just like not clear with our expectations of communication in a friendship, it can get hard for people. Like yeah. people want more than I want to give or yeah. or the opposite. And it's good to be on the same page about it. Yeah, and you know what, Meg, like I think that is a request for words of affirmation almost because yeah, it's like yeah, sometimes I'm... I should just say to you like have cuz I can feel it when you feel like you're being too much and I never think you are, but I can be like <laughs> but you know you shouldn't have to always ask for me. You don't always need to ask for me to... To be quite honest, I'm never going to ask for it You again. don't, right? <laughs> but it's like, you don't often, honestly. But I could be like, hey, just so you know, like, I appreciate all the work you're doing, and I'm... Yeah, but I do think we're good about, you know, we're, we're resetting in this way right mm-hmm. now on the podcast, but I think we're good about setting expectations for each other. Yeah. And, and I know that, like, if you're not responding, it doesn't mean shit. It right. just means you're busy. Yeah. And I'm a person that shuts down. I'm a person that if I'm sad, sometimes I just need to, like, not answer a text for six hours. Mm -hmm. And that is shitty. You know, I'm aware that it, like, doesn't feel great for for the receiver. Yeah. Not, I I know, you always understand. But, you know, there's certain people in my life where it's like, yeah. sorry I didn't answer your text for seven days. (laughs) Seven days. Okay. If you didn't answer. If if I didn't answer Meg's text for seven days, she'd be banging at my door. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'd appreciate that. (laughs) Your corpse would appreciate it. Because there's no Because there's no way I'd get away with it. Seven hours. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Okay. Also that all nice. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say right now, whoever Molly ends up with long term <laughs> Oh, this is fun. If you don't meet oh no. If you don't meet these requirements and what she needs 
This is what? now okay. I'm pounding my fist okay, into this my is hand, fun. and you don't have to include this if we're really over time. But what do you think mm. are like the big things that I need? Like if you were to pick my next partner, what would be in terms of love languages and all that? Like what would be the big things? You, do you want me to it? really go for it? A hundred based on your history. Yeah, please. You need to not be with a little bitch. <laughs> You need to be with someone who knows how good of a catch you are and tells you and gets over whatever bullshit they're going through in their life <laughs> and doesn't care that you're funnier than them because you're going to be and just appreciates you for who you are. Oh That's what you need. God. So if, you if have you're to keep suiting that Molly, like, don't fucking bother if you don't meet those requirements. You have to keep that in. <laughs> I'm going to because I mean it. <laughs> I don't know if the person's listening right Ooh. now, but, like, yeah, that's what needs to happen. That, as far as I'm concerned. Rules. Thank you for saying all that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Should we get into real love? Yes, uh, let's hear a real love story. Um, I don't know what you're going to read. We have a real love story from a listener and friend named Yaki. Shout out to Yaki. Aww, we love you. Hey, um, thank you so much for sending us this wonderful story. I've already read it, and I love it. Cool. But this is going to be a first for you, Meg. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is from Yaki. Uh, dating and romance can have a lot of ups and downs, and sometimes it's flat out hard and awful. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm most grateful that throughout everything, I've gained a lot of valuable experiences and learned a lot about people and about myself. In terms of dating, I don't think anything is a failure or a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's just another discovery, hopefully leading to better and better experiences and connections in the future. That's always worthwhile to me. My longest relationship was maybe the one that taught me the most. We broke up three times. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've been there. And each time Mm -hmm. she would storm out angrily, then reach out 24 hours later to get back together. Mm -hmm. I was hopeful when we got back together the first time, felt tricked into it the second time, and finally was able to end things permanently the third time. The first time I wondered, what's wrong with me? This person was so kind and checked all of my boxes. So if I wasn't happy, it must be because of my own flaws. Like maybe I didn't think I deserved to be loved. But as time went by, I grew more confident and realized that I can't look for someone to complete me, as the cliche goes. Hard agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to complete myself, even though the process is never done, and I plan to spend my whole life working on it, discovering new things about myself. Knowing Yaki, like, I can say that he's very good at doing that. Also, I will say, you know, it's so hard because it's so good he's put that work in and is putting that work in, but then once you're in a relationship, you have to do that all over again for the rest of your yep. life with that relationship, it's too. It's really hard. <laughs> Take yeah. care of it forever. Yeah. Okay, so continuing the story, we became too reliant on each other, seeing each other most nights. And when I was off doing other things, she would tell me later that she had been home alone, sad, and waiting to hang out with me. Uh, yeah, I've been there. I didn't want to be responsible for her total happiness. Mm-hmm. I made it more of a goal of mine to have a life outside of the relationship. I started making lots of new friends, being more social, attending more events, and pursuing career and creative goals more actively. I liked becoming my own entity, not belonging to her. I've since identified that I have a few anxious and avoidant attachment style tendencies when it comes to Mm. dating, but at the time it felt very selfish to want to have goals for myself, but not goals for us, and that I wanted to make plans for my future, but maybe not for our future. As I became more autonomous, I was ready to leave this relationship, but I felt guilty about hurting her feelings. I thought that the only way to date was to be with one person until we got married, and then continued to be together until we died, and anything short of that was bad and would hurt her and make me a bad person. I'm a real Mm. people pleaser. I get that Mm -hmm. as a people pleaser and an evangelical person (laughs) who's taught that their whole lives. 
But I've since learned that there are many different paths and styles to dating, and that love and relationships Mm -hmm. can look pretty different from the standard lifelong marriage plan that we've all been taught is supposedly the only good or acceptable option. When we finally broke up for the third time, it was on Halloween night. Not the best time to do it, I know. She asked me what I wanted to do that night and followed that with, are we happy? So I said, I don't think we are. I'm ready to end things and explore the next chapter of my life. She kept debating me on why I was wrong to end things and that I could just continue to explore and learn more about myself while staying within this current relationship. I disagreed. We continued to disagree for nine hours. It was a surreal nightmare watching someone cry while in their Halloween costume and a wig, face paint streaked with tears. (laughs) Uh... Yeah. Then when I said she should probably go, we were exhausted, maybe we could talk more another day, but right now we were burnt out and just going around in non-productive circles. Uh, She refused to leave. The debating continued Mm -hmm. for two more months, over text and voice messages, until eventually things settled down and she stopped speaking to me. It was a pretty awful experience. I felt really terrible that I'd hurt her feelings, but relieved that I'd ended things finally. It made me rethink dating and relationships in general and made me examine my own patterns. What kind of signals was I sending out? How can I make sure in the future that this didn't happen again? Even though I felt so anxious and sad for way too long, I was grateful for that relationship because there was still a lot of love in it and it taught me so much. Yeah. Since then, I'm happy to say I figured out a lot more about how I present myself, about how to have honest, open communication with people, and about what I'm really looking for. Now I'm just excited to go find it. Oh my god, that's a perfect story and encapsulates a lot of what we like want from this podcast you know questioning our ideas of monogamy culture and commitment culture examining yourself becoming a better version of yourself like doing what you need to do but also taking care of another person even if it means a horrible 12-hour breakup or whatever yep exactly good job yaki thank you yaki i know and i have a lot of conversations about dating and relationships with yaki so Mm -hmm. it it is very nice i remember hearing about this relationship yeah yeah so it's very nice to have his reflections on it so thank you yaki we love you amazing another perfect story you can send your perfect or imperfect or whatever we'll call it perfect no matter what uh to send a gift to our p.o box with a letter with your story in it (laughs) and a present for me (laughs) yes but mostly through our website (laughs) yeah foreverbabepodcast.com yes also all of our episodes are there if that's some if you want to listen through your computer that's one way to do it yeah um that's it baby for this episode so we love love you you forever sources we use today. It isn't about your love language, it's about your partners, The Atlantic by Ashley Fetters. <laughs> How the five love languages became the language of love we all know and love. Vice by Katrine <laughs> by Katrine Jezzer Morton. Speaking your partner's love language may not matter. Psychology Today by Tim Cold PhD. Love <laughs> languages and the psychology behind it. Psych Reg by Nika Celeste. <laughs> Do love languages actually matter? Psychologists weigh in. Mike.com by Tracy Ann Duncan. Miley Cyrus's love language explains why she made an exabong for his birthday. The things.com by Molly Herman. <laughs> this is the most common of the five love <laughs> This is the most common of the five love languages. Having to post by Kelsey Borison. Five love languages summary. She's single mag by Kaylee McCullough. How to optimize your masturbation session with the help of your love language at Longo.com by Mary Grace Garris. Abby Howe's YouTube video is gift giving, selfish, a selfish love language. And of course, five love languages.com. <laughs> what about Miley Cyrus? <laughs> 
Well, I explained. She she talked about her love language. Forever Babe Podcast would like to thank all of our sources, as well as Corey Webster for making our theme song and Pearl Botts for singing so beautifully on it.